Hey, friend, it's Jen and AJ, and we have a quick favor to ask. If we have made you smile on this podcast or encouraged you in any way, or hey, if you're just a kind person, (laughs) will you take a moment to leave a five-star rating for this podcast? It takes just a second, but it helps others decide whether to listen to this show or not. Also, if you're on Apple, please drop us a review. We'd love to hear from you in this way. Thank you so much. And here's a virtual fist bump coming your way. (laughs) Fist bump. (laughs) Welcome to the Sojo Show with Jen and AJ where you'll dig deep into God's Word alongside two imperfect, frequently ineloquent women as we discover fresh ways to walk out God's truth together. All right, welcome guys to the Sojo Show. We have another really special treat for you guys today. Obviously, I'm Jen and I am AJ-less at the moment, but... Instead of AJ, we have another really cool preach and a, um, a really sweet friend of mine who is joining us. This month, we've been kind of working through a, a little bit of a ministry series, a women in ministry series, ministry wives, just some of the unique challenges that face really all of us in the church, but in particular, those of us that are serving in, in specific areas in ministry. And so I have asked a friend of mine who actually, I'm going to let her tell you about herself, but she is a pastor's wife and she lives in the town where I live in Columbus. And I have known her and her entire family for a long time. I'm associated with her in several different ways in that I've known her through her husband and my husband are in like pastor's groups together and so they they were friends, actually, I think, before we were. And then Jawan, which is her name, spoiler alert, is, um, is also a teacher at the school where my kids go to school. So we're going to talk about all of that and talk about some of the things that are going on in her life. And um, without further ado, I want to introduce you guys to Jawan McGinnis. And if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself Um, I've just kind of spoiled where you live, but the ministry that you guys are serving in a little bit about it and, uh, and your family. Sure. First of all, thank you for asking me to be a part of this. This is a first time for me. So I feel um, a little nervous, but at the same time excited (laughs) and glad that I get to do it with you, Jennifer. Um, So yeah, Jennifer's already said uh, that I also live in Columbus, Georgia. I'm not a native to Columbus, but I am a native to Georgia. My husband's from LaGrange, which is just north of Columbus, and I'm from South Georgia, right above the Florida line. So my husband's name is Mitch. We've been in Columbus for the past 18 years. So it's home for us. That's where all of our children were born. But we actually met in Alabama, but the Lord brought us back to Georgia, which I'm glad that he did closer to home. Mitch and I have five children uh, ranging from age two to 18. The oldest, uh, well, the four the oldest four of our five all go to the same school where Jennifer's children also go to school. So we enjoy, I enjoy, I don't know if they enjoy it, but I enjoy seeing my kids every day. They may differ from that statement. Yes. My husband is also a full-time pastor, much like Jennifer's. I do have an awesome job. I wake up every morning and love, love, love my job of being a high school teacher. And because we're at a Christian school, I get the honor and privilege of being able to teach Bible to ninth and 10th graders this year, teaching New Testament surveys, kind of an overview to 14 and 15 year olds of just the narrative of the New Testament and the, and the Old Testament, how they speak to one another, and how you can't separate the two. Besides our full-time jobs, uh, Mitch is a pastor, myself, a high school teacher. We are also um, foster parents. So I spend a lot of time with the state 
doing the things that they require of us, taking care of children, really, really, really trying to um, befriend birth parents, um, especially the moms, and to to kind of see those relationships restored. Um, that's why we do that. So, so yeah, that's kind of us in a nutshell. I mean, really, you know, I think uh, Paul Tripp talks a lot about the mundane of life, and uh, that really speaks to me because so often our our lives are the same thing day in and day out. Like this is what Monday through Friday looks like from start to finish, and it's the same thing. It's go to work, it's pick up kids, it's go to soccer practice, it's you know make appointments or whatever it is, come home and do dinner, bath time, bedtime, and then you go to sleep and then start all over again. And you know, one thing that I really feel like I've learned a lot in that process of motherhood and just um, being a wife is that God is still the God of our mundane and it's a joy to be there. So that's our mundane. That's our beautiful mundane rather to speak. And we love it. That's who we are. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you know, what struck me when you were commenting on all these different kinds of things is we really, I really had you asked you to come on here because of the full-time ministry component of pastoring a church and becoming alongside your husband for that. But as you were talking, it just really struck me that your, your teaching in the school where you are, especially in particular when you're teaching Bible, but just in general, and I think this goes for all Christian teachers, all teachers who are believers, whether you're in a Christian school or not, that is in and of itself a really important ministry. And so I kind of consider of that, like you're in the ministry at school. <laughs> and then of course, you're also, your entire family really is coming together alongside these other beautiful children and families through the foster care system. So really and truly, there are a lot of different arms to ministry, a lot of different aspects to ministry, other than the, my husband would call them professional Christians, you know, the, the, the ones that are in, you know, full-time vocational ministry. There are so many different aspects to ministry. And I think that if you're listening to me today, you probably can put yourself in one of these categories where, and, and whether you consider it ministry or not, more than likely you are finding a way to minister to someone else. And what a blessing, what a blessing. So in all those things that you do, I'm going to ask you an impossible question. All right. Okay. Hit me. Hit me. Okay. I know that we talk a lot in this day and age about uh, balance, right? And how to balance all the things. I don't know that really is possible. But if I were to say, how do you, I guess a better word would be, how do you handle, how do you, how do you deal with the going of all different directions? with the job and the church and, you know, the kids and the wife gig and all the things, what, what ways do you, have you kind of come up with to, um, to put them all in their proper place, right. In their, in their priority that they need to be in and continue also in staying faithful to your walk with God. Yeah. So what I really appreciate is practicality. Where does the rubber meet the road? What's the one, two, three, the ABC? Like speaking in large generalities doesn't really speak to my heart. I want to know, you know, where the rubber meets the road. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell you in regards to, you know, a few aspects of my life and keep it brief, you know, what I do to keep that balance. Although, like you said, I'm, I'm not really sure there is such a thing as balance, but the best that we can, right? We can do the best that we can. So for those moms who are working, which I did not work for six years, I stayed home with my children 
Um, but then I went back to the classroom. So that's where I am now. And like I said, I have children between the ages of two and 18. So they're in different walks of life. One's graduated from high school, about to go to college, and I've got one that's still in daycare. So um, when it comes to my job, you know, how do I balance my job? Fortunately, I get to wake up every morning and go to a job that I love, which makes it, you know, easier to get up and want to get up and moving and, and to go to that. I look forward to it every day. But I, I want to say that some of the best advice I was given by other Christian women was, you know, when work is over, work is over. Like when 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 the physical, when the clock dings and it is time you are allowed to leave, I leave. And that hasn't always been the case. It used to be that I would stay really late. I would stay as long as I possibly could, as long as I had that after school care that the school provided for me. I would stay until 6 p.m. But I think just as we grow in our faith and as we mature, that, you know, the Lord teaches us things along the way that this year is the first year I've started doing that. When when I'm allowed to leave at that 3.30 or 3.45 time, I'm gone. In regards to family, I think one, one thing that kind of helps is that my husband and I usually are always on the same page. Um, I, that's not my doing. That's the Holy Spirit's doing. <laughs> but we operate, you know, pretty much the same, think the same. So all seven of us do everything together as best we can. Now, like I said, I have teenagers who are driving. We're not always together. Finding time around that dinner table is much more rare today as it used to be because I have kids that have, full, you know, full part-time jobs, um, you know, are doing things with their friends or whatever, which are good, healthy things. And I want to encourage those things, but we try to do as much as possible together. So that means we, you know, I love a routine and I love a schedule, but I got to die to that routine and schedule when it comes to, am I going to keep the baby up late to go to my teenager soccer game? Yes, I am. Because to me, that is going to teach him that this other child that I have is also important. The child can sleep on my chest. The child can sleep anywhere. I can hold him or her, but creating balance means that I've got to die to the schedule. I've got to die to the routine sometimes Mm -hmm. and do what's best in that moment, just to be gracious and patient with each other and to figure out what's the best thing for this moment. And sometimes it's just being together, showing up at 5 a.m. for a cross-country meet or coming home at midnight from a soccer game from Atlanta. That just might be what's best for us. If that means balance, I don't really know if balance is the best way to put that, but it keeps my, it keeps me sane, sane. You know, it keeps us in a cohesive like-mindedness, if that's you know the phrase that, that might best be from that. I think what I can't stress enough is how much I remind myself as I'm walking through motherhood, through being a spouse, through being a foster parent with the state, through being a teacher to my students, through being friends with my friends, through being a pastor's wife. Um, what have I been saved from? You know, what, what, what am I capable of? The very worst. What am I saved from? Doom and, and, and wrath and, and hell And that might sound really harsh, but if that's my mentality as I walk through life, then how can I not be grateful for every moment? Um, So that's the balance. The balance comes when I sit back and go, wow, look what I've been saved from um, and what I've been given instead, what I don't deserve. So realizing these truths minute by minute that he's renewing me day by day really can create a sense of humility. When I look to Jesus, he creates my balance. He is who gives me the life that I can be able to stay out late or go go home, you know, go out early for a meet or hold my child and forget the dishes. No matter how much the trouble might be from my screaming toddler or a lack of patience with my teenagers or frustration with my spouse, I know that I've been given much. I and mean, the Lord will be faithful. So yeah. 
look into Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a common thread through a lot of them we've talked to is that when we remember the grace that's been given to us, we, we remember basically the good news of the gospel and what we have been saved from, it does, it informs everything else that we do. Yes. That's a good way to put it. It informs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and so the, the takeaway from that, if you're listening is this is something that I don't do perfectly. I know that I assume Juwan doesn't do perfectly because none of us do this perfectly is, but to strive to remember, to preach the gospel to yourself every day, remind yourself daily, teach yourself daily that, um, you know, that God did send his son to die on a cross and he took my sin and in exchange for that, he gave me his righteousness. And now, you know, we are saved from the wrath of a holy God. Right. And that's and, right. And because of that, I can be more patient. I can be, I can have grace for others. I can know that the season that I'm in um, may be a little more challenging, but that it's been given to me by God for a purpose. And that's for his glory and my good. So I love that. I love that. Yeah. One thing that just came up in conversation in my high school classes was the Lord's Supper one of the students perked up and said, so is the Lord's Supper any more than just a reminder to us of what he did for us? You know, is it just a reminder? And I said, well, it's a beautiful reminder for sure, but it's also a promise. The Lord's Supper to us should be a, a for us to be able to look at Jesus as our promise that he is not done with us yet, that through his transforming grace of renewing us daily, of sanctifying us always, I can take these elements and know that it's more than just a reminder of what he did for us. It's a reminder of what he's constantly doing for us, always doing for us. And so that's the balance. You know, that's that's where I look whenever I am overwhelmed or on the verge of tears or, you know, it's just where I think we live there all the time. We live in that verge of tear all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? That leads really nicely into my next question. And the reason I ask this question, it's not because of a woe is me kind of mentality, because I know you don't have that. You have one of the most positive personalities of anybody on the planet. However, I know that I think that there are people listening that are going to hear that we we, we talk about the joys of ministry. We talk about the goodness of the gospel. Those are super important things to talk about. That is the most important thing, the gospel. However, I think there are some people that are probably in the midst of a struggle in a valley. And, and sometimes it's, sometimes it's encouraging to hear that um, we all go through that. And so the question I'm going to ask you really is twofold. One is what do you find difficult about being, you know, in the ministry in particular, or just anything, but in serving others, what, what, what's your biggest challenge? And then my second part of that, just so we don't linger in that too long is is what do you feel like would be your best advice to someone else that may be in that same position to help them to kind of get through that? And, and so really it's, it's twofold. It's what have you found either in the past or currently, and how are you handling, how is God helping you to get through that? Yeah. I don't know that there's any one thing. I would say that looking back at the past 18 years of you know, full-time church ministry, you know, in that regard, or even teaching. I think my biggest struggle is selfishness. Um, I want, what's my God? My God is comfort and convenience and peace. 
that's my God. Um, and so when, um, although I want to serve and although I want to be in people's lives, it's often with selfish ambitions and, you know, selfishness can also mean jealousy. You've impeded on my time or you've, you've created an environment that is not what I want it to look like. And so that those, that's my, might be where I struggle with looking and comparing and feeling like it's just self-righteousness is what it is. It's self-righteousness of thinking that I can do it better. You know, you're not doing it the right way, mm-hmm. pointing fingers instead of sitting back and realizing that this is the element that God has given to that person or to me, right? And to be thankful that the Holy Spirit is whispering conviction, gnawing away at my soul and making me feel uncomfortable and exposing my sin. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, my time, my comfort, my convenience, my peace, those will be my gods. And that that's that saturates every season of life. Whether my kids were little, whether my time was strapped in an afternoon, I had to go to a meeting at work, um, whether it be even now when my teenagers are here and there and I don't ever get to see them very often. And or whether it be I don't get back, I don't receive back what I want from somebody, whether it be a, a hug from a child or words of affirmation or thank you from somebody at work, that my true joy and my confirmation in who I am truly just come from Jesus. And if this is a task he's put before me in that moment, then it's worth giving of my time. It's worth giving of my convenience or for my comfort. So yeah, what do I struggle with? Selfishness. Okay. Yes. Well, as you're answering that, it reminded me so much of the, what we all struggle with in this and, and that's idolatry, right? And that our time becomes our our idol, our, 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 we have so many different idols that we put before God on a regular basis. I mean, we obviously, I'm not talking about you, you know, we're not in a position where we probably are you know, bowing down to the golden calf, but, but wasn't it John Calvin that said our heart is a idol factory? Yes. Yeah. And, and that it just, it it resonated with me when you were saying that, because that is, I struggle with that as well. I think we all do. And it's like this, my, what I want to do kind of becomes my idol a little bit. And, and what I have to realize is I have to set that aside and look to what God wants me, me right. to be doing in that moment. Yeah. So uh, that leads me to your second part of that question, the twofold part of what's my yeah. best advice. Yeah. Um, so my best advice to myself to remind myself of this is that, you know, when I'm in the midst of that struggle, which is often of selfishness or comparison or jealousy or thinking that I can do it better or my comfort's been, you know, tossed around and it's not where I want it to be. Um, I remember, you know, a certain, a certain situation that happened at my church where um, I was at work, you know, teaching students, teaching teenagers, and on our women's thread that we have, you know, they, the ones who are staying at home, whether they're raising children or just don't work for whatever reason, we're, we're getting together to have a, a, an impromptu, like spur of the moment kind of luncheon at the church, you know, bring your own meal, bring your kids, put them on the playground, and we're going to, we're going to tackle this task, whatever that might be, whether it be cleaning out the cabinets or cleaning the kitchen or whatever. And I remember thinking vividly how grateful I was that they were doing this and it didn't involve me. No, 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 not that I didn't want, not want to be there, but that they didn't have to ask my permission. They, because I'm the pastor's wife, right? But they didn't have to involve me or make me a part of it, but yet they were joining together as the body of Christ to do something and that I didn't have to be a part of it. And for the first time I thought to myself, wow, I'm so thankful that 
I don't have to be a part of this to still feel like I'm part of the body. Like, look at the body of Christ functioning and how little importance I am to that. <laughs> like, I am important to the body of Christ. That's not stripping any significance from me. What I'm saying is that they all gather together. They put this uh, task in front of them to get done. They knew I was at work. I couldn't be a part of it. It was just, hey, let's go get this done. And I really, for the first time, the Holy Spirit pinged my heart and said, look at the body of Christ in action at your church and you don't have to be a part of it. And things are still getting done without the pastor's wife. And I thought, I love that. I love that. So my best advice is to see what's going on outside of you. Sure. Offer your help, be a part of it, delegate, but be thankful for the things that are going on that don't involve you because they are advancing the kingdom and you you don't have to be a part of it all the time. <laughs> that's just where, that's just what God's taught me. Yeah. Okay. So what I'm kind of hearing you say is that putting who we are and what we do in perspective in, in our kingdom work and knowing that what we're doing is super important, but that there are others who are also using their gifts in the same way or different ways. And for that, we should rejoice. That's right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. That's something that that's something that might be a little bit unique to certain personalities or to people in leadership positions that mm-hmm. maybe struggle with that. But I think mm-hmm. that's something that we need to be reminded of. And we planted our church. And so we started 17 years ago with Brad and I did everything, everything, yeah. every, every, everything. And so the t- kind of the tearing away of things, of doing yeah. things was a little bit of a struggle. And I was working full time. I had three kids at the time, I, you know, and I physically couldn't do it all, but yet I felt like that I needed to be in it. And so I think that's a grace that God has given you to recognize that, okay, these women have gotten together and I'm not going to be sad that I can't be a part. And I'm not going to be bitter that I have to work instead of being there, which is oftentimes where we go. Yeah. Instead, you've been given the grace to be thankful for that and let them use their gifts for the kingdom. And that's right. And, and in doing so, not only are they blessed, but the church is blessed and the God is glorified. I, I love that. There's a little bit of a nuance there for me to kind of work through in my head. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, because, because I, I struggle with control issues as well. Uh-huh. But over the yeah. years, that has definitely, definitely been something God has taught me as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and to put it on the other foot, if you're listening and you are just, you know, you are kind of struggling with, should I step forward and, and do something? Am I going to step on toes? That kind of thing. I think having good communication with other women and with the leadership of your church body is really important and realizing that. Um, you too can be a blessing, basically. So, so go That's for true. it. Yeah, I, I will say I have a spiritual mentor. I mean, just just one woman at our church who's, you know, a, a little bit ahead in, in the mileage of of life than I am. And we need, you know, those. We need that inner circle of people that I tell my students all the time that know your junk, you know, and know what you're struggling with, know your sin, know your, you know. So, I mean, I've got that person. And so when I am struggling with something, that's who I go to. She's the one that hears my cry, that hears my struggles, that, and then shoots me straight, straight with the word. So, 
Speaking of that, um, when thinking about things that women have spoken into your life, um, what are some of the things that stand out for you? What is a piece of advice that has stood out to you, a piece of truth, a truth nugget, if you will, that has really stood out, stood out to you? I know that you mentioned something early and that might be that. I mean, that might be it, but something that has just kind of stuck with you that was told to you by someone who was a little bit more further along the path than you. I mean, yeah, I think you could probably say what I'm about to say to, to, to any aspect of your life. But I remember someone telling me early on in my marriage, early on in motherhood, just this, you know, this might sound a little like, where did this come from? I mean, but I, I, I often think about it. There's never a reason to be unkind. There's never a reason to be unkind. And so um, that can penetrate everything, mm-hmm. everything that we do. And so it's really easy to be kind to those that we don't know very well because we're never going to see them again. Maybe, you know, it's kind, it's easy to be kind to the red, to the cashier. You're not going to see him or her again, right? It's easy to be kind to the stranger, especially one that's done good by you. But, you know, it's oftentimes, you know, who are we, this, this is kind of vulnerable, but who are we the meanest to? We're the meanest to the ones we love the most because we know that they're going to love us regardless. We're not going anywhere. There's just, there's just never a reason to be unkind, not to my children, not to my husband, not to my students, not to, you know, other church members, not to my friends. There's just never a reason to be unkind. And why, you know, it begs the question why, you know, and, and so that goes back to your very first question at the beginning of this is just that when you know what you've been safe from and what you're capable of, and, you know, when you know where your significance is found, right. And what you, what, what, what you deserve, then, you know, although it's still, goes against our nature. Thank goodness for the Holy Spirit who can give us a spirit of kindness and of goodness and of, you know, all those other fruits. Right. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's really stuck with me, especially I'm in the heat of the moment with my child and I want to scream. And, you know, even with my toddler who's yelling in the back seat and I can't understand what he wants or with my 18 year old who needs my, me for the third time. And I'm like, you're almost an adult now, you know, so <laughs> it's in every moment. Well, you know, when you mentioned that kindness and you were talking about the fruit of the spirit, I'm glad that you mentioned that because that's what immediately came to my mind was that that kindness is, of course, one of the fruit, one of the fruit of the spirit. And actually, that's the Bible study that we're currently writing is on the fruit of the spirit. And um, and what I learned later in life than what I'd like to admit was how I cannot do that on my own. Yes, because I spent a good bit of my Christian life mm-hmm. with the theology that I had to, you know, I, I need to be, I need to be kind. I need to be good. I need to be, you know, self-control was an issue. I need to, you know, all these things I got to do better. I got to do better. I got to do better. And when finally the something clicked, the Holy Spirit allowed it to click to realize that, you know, it's not my fruit. It's it's the fruit of the spirit. It's his fruit. And what I have to do is abide in him in order to gain those fruits. So when you're talking about kindness, I mean, what does that mean? It doesn't mean every day, you know, you know, working, working, working. It means working to abide in him, to be more like him too. And that's just easy steps, right, Joan? That's just picking up your Bible. That's spending time yeah. in prayer. That's spending time in the spiritual disciplines that, that are, that are disciplines and they take, yeah. they do take a little bit of effort to, you know, to, to make that happen. And when you do that, then those fruit will grow, including that kindness. And so I, I love the correlation, how that kind of circles right back around Mm -hmm. to what's important and that's the gospel. 
Yeah. And then hearing you say that makes me think about some other great advice that my husband gave me, um, that the wisdom that he spoke to me, you know, as children came along and I went back to work full time um, and just the schedule got hectic and, you know, dinner looked different and schedules look different, really struggling with that uh, time with time alone with God, you know, like just craving it and wanting it and desiring it. But it looked different in my 30s than it did when I was in my 20s. And it looks different now in my 40s than it did when I was 30. Um, But isn't that just life anyway? I mean, we grow, we age, things are different. But some of the best wisdom that Mitch gave to me was that my time with God doesn't have to look the same from season to season. Mm-hmm. It's not going to look the same from season to season. It shouldn't look the same. I mean, he's the same. That's the beautiful thing about it. He is steadfast. He never changes. But, you know, because of the sin in my own heart or just what life throws at me or what I have chosen to step into, my life looked different day to day. So therefore, my time management looks different. Um, the needs of my children or family or students look different. So my, my time with him doesn't have to be structured. Having a structure, having a plan is not a bad thing. It's good. But to know that you've got to, you know, like I said earlier with the routine, you're going to have to die to that sometimes. It might be that the only time that I have alone with God, intentional time alone with God might be when I'm in the shower. You know, uh, when I'm in the car by myself, which is rare, but it does happen from time to time. That might be the only time that I have with God alone without anything else, you know, interfering in, in my mental space. So, so, yeah, I mean, I would say give yourself some, extend some grace to yourself. Yeah. I mean, seasons yeah. change and so does time with God. Yeah. I always say that quiet time is not always quiet. <laughs> Amen. That is true. But that is okay. All right. Well, Joan, I have, you know, you've been a real encouragement and you've got my brain thinking about a lot of things and some practical things that we can do to in- encourage our, you know, our spouses if we're married, encourage those that we're ministering to, our children if we're moms, our own souls. As we get ready to wrap up, is there anything specific that you've given so many nuggets, you've given so many little inspiration, you know, encouragements and inspirations to, to the women listening. Um, but is there anything else that you wanted to, to maybe share, to encourage for women who are in different seasons, but they are in, they're similarly kind of walking along this path and, and trying to serve others best they can. Um, yeah, uh, if I'm going to get practical, because I love practicality, yeah, do it. Um, I really feel like for me that I've got to carve out and be intentional to carve out a walk every day. Now, I know that's not the solution for everybody, but for me, it is to get outside and to see, to be in awe of God's creation and to be able to listen to music or a podcast, your podcast, and um, to, to just be outside whether I'm listening to a, to Christian music or to country music or whatever, just to be, just to be and take a walk. And, and there's so many benefits from that as well. It's, you know, but, but most of all, it's just time for me to be in my own space. Something else is if you, if you are a pastor's wife, or if you're, you know, someone who serves alongside your husband, or if you're just, you know, there all the time serving in some capacity, I would just say that for me personally, you know, a lot of times it means that I'm, I'm at home at night doing, you know, the mother things without my husband. Um, I know you might've had that time too, where I'm, I'm bathing the children alone. I am uh, uh, feeding them dinner by myself and trying to cook it and serve it and then bathe them alone and then read the books and 
um, tuck them in at night by myself. And so after that hour and a half, two hour time period, you know, I'm exhausted. And that happens at least twice a week, which may not sound like a whole lot, but then on Sunday mornings, I'm by myself um, in the uh, in the audience. I'm alone because my husband's at the you know podium preaching. And so I've got these gaggle of children, you know, with me. And of course, they're older now, but at one time, you know, I had little stair steps right there with me. So I was parenting by myself, you know, in that 45 minute to an hour time frame. But just to look back and even now be thankful that, you know, the Lord is using, he's using me. It's not my doing, but it's my job to give this to God because he is forming them in his image, not my image. He mm-hmm. is forming me in his image, not Juwan's image. Yeah. So that, that, that's truth for every you know, walk of life, every, every thing that you do, that's truth right there. So that's my little nugget I'll leave you with is that he is faithful to form us into his image, not our own image. And thank goodness for that. Cause yeah. my image is corrupt. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really good. It's a good reminder. And I think that's a, a, a good place for us to end off. Although I would love to chat with you longer. <laughs> If you're listening and you know someone who might be encouraged by this conversation, someone who's walking along in any of these capacities, just send them a link to the podcast, um, let them know and reach out to Juwan. Just put in the comments of the podcast even, because I know that we are in different places in life, um, but we are all doing the same kingdom work if we are living um, for God and we're doing it all for his glory. So Uh, I love that. Thank you so much for coming on, Jawan. I really appreciate you. And I love you, adore you, and am am blessed by not just your ministry and your family, but just your heart for the gospel. So thank Thank you you for having me. I enjoyed it. All right, guys, y'all have a great uh, whatever time of day it is that you're listening. And again, give us a like, give us a comment, um, but reach out to us because if you're in a position where you're maybe you're in a season of discouragement, reach out to us at Sojo. You can find us everywhere on Sojo Academy and, or you can email us and feel free to share that. And we would love to come alongside and be in prayer with you as well, because we all have those seasons. So, and if not, we still want to hear from you. <laughs> so y'all have a great day and we will see you next time on the podcast. Bye. Did you know that this podcast is brought to you by our very own Sojo Academy? Sojo Academy is an online community for women who long to know God and connect with others over his word. Our global community of women studies God's word together each month with live weekly Zoom meetings to connect and discuss what we're learning. We'd love to connect with you. Check it out and become part of our Sojo sisterhood at sojoacademy.com. That's Sojo, S-O-J-O, academy.com. See See you inside. Are there areas in your life where you feel like you need to simplify a bit? My guess is yes. Several years ago, AJ and I identified seven areas that we felt like um, were important to simplify in order to focus on most important things in life and primarily our relationship with God. What we are doing is pulling that out of the vault, and we are doing Simplify Your Life Summer 2024 Edition. We invite you to join us. We are excited about it and look forward to seeing you there. Go check out sojohub.com slash simplify for more information.